This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Church from Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit our website at faithchurchlubbock.com. See you out tonight. God bless all of you. I'm honored that you'd be here. And, you know, I can say from my heart, we love you with the love of the Lord. If you're watching by live stream, I'm, I'm glad you're here. If you need a Bible, why don't you raise your hands? Our ushers will get you one. Once you get it, go with me to the book of Deuteronomy chapter 8. Deuteronomy chapter 8. Man, I'm glad you came out on a cold night. I know it had been easy to stay at home. I, I said to Dad, Lord, we need the moisture. But I said, I really, really, really want to preach tonight. I said, man, I really, really, really can't wait to get here. And so, again, God will hold this snow off maybe until tomorrow. But we will welcome it. Um, again, you're going to the book of Deuteronomy chapter 8. You know, a, a lot of the songs we sing are so powerful because you're singing the word of God. And so what, what you just sang there in that blessing is actually Numbers chapter 6, and it starts about verse 24. Uh, part of it ties in, I believe, to Exodus 20 and around verse 6. But man, I, I encourage you, pr- pray that blessing. You know, the Lord said in there, he said to Moses, he said, say this to them. The Lord bless you and the Lord keep you. And his face smile upon you and his countenance be with you. And so again, get a hold of those things. Those are really, really good when you start speaking the word of God. All right, opportunity to give tonight. Deuteronomy chapter eight. Now I'm gonna gonna read verses 11, 12, 13, and 14. And I'm gonna set the table for something here, but pay real close attention. It says here, Deuteronomy eight, verse 11. Beware that you do not forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments, his judgments, his statutes, which I command you today. So again, he's warning us here, man, don't forget God, verse 12. Lest when you have eaten and you are full and have built beautiful houses and you dwell in them, and when your herds and your flocks multiply, your silver and gold are multiplied, and all that you have is multiplied. When your heart is lifted up and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. Now, when I start reading this, God, he's not against you having your belly full. He's he's not against you having a bucket of chicken. He's not against that, okay? He's not against you Building a big, beautiful house, okay? And then if you notice what he said, he said, I, I, I want you to be blessed with your herds and your flocks. Well, remember, that's how they made their livelihood. And then he said, I, I want you to be blessed so much, even in your silver and your gold, your bank accounts, your investments. But one thing he said there, he said, don't forget God. Don't forget him. So me and Shelly, we're reading this article the other day. And in this article, this lady makes the comment that she was raised in a godly home, but she decided she really didn't want to live for God anymore. And she said that she had got her degree and her parents looked at her and said, you're blessed. She'd got a great job and her parents said, you're blessed. She got promoted and the Lord said, you're blessed. Her parents said, you're blessed. She was able to build a house and her parents would say, you're blessed. And she got so mad at him and she said, don't tell me I'm blessed anymore. She said, you guys don't give me any credit. Look what I've done. 
I'm the one who went to school. I'm the one who went and got the job. I'm the one who did this. And I thought, time out, darling. Now, same chapter. Look with me in verse 17. Then you say in your heart, my power, my power, and the might of my hand have gained me all this wealth. And you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the power or the ability to get wealth. Now, God's not against you having that, but this is what starts happening many times with humanity, mankind. We start saying, look what I've done. You hadn't done jack. You hadn't done nothing. It's God. It's the blessed. So when people look at you and say, you're blessed, you ought to say, thank you, I am blessed. God's been so good to me. But he didn't just bless us to have a, 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 a resume and a big bank account. Look what he says, that I've blessed you, that he may establish or confirm his covenant, which he swore to your fathers as it is this day. So you know what he just said right there? The reason I blessed you is so you can advance my cause right here on earth. That through you, my kingdom would be multiplied right here on earth. So man, God, he blesses us so we can be a blessing. You know, I'm, I'm going to throw this out, and I'm not saying this out of need, okay? Last Sunday morning, we, we set a record in our three- and four-year-old classroom. There were 17 three- and four-year-olds in there. You know what? When they told me there were 17, you know what I said? I said, Ooh, the Lord, he bless you. You know why I say that? Because there's people that are called to serve in that capacity. That's, and there's some of you in here right now that you're called to serve in that. And you ones who do, I pray blessings on you. And you know what they told me later on? They said, Pastor, that's nothing. They said last Wednesday night in that classroom, there were 24 of those little rascals. And I thought, oh, Lord, bless them. We, we need people to step up in those areas, Okay. And don't think that Ms. Dore or, or Pastor Keith and Jamie, they'll just throw you in there and say, you're on your own. They won't do that. They're going to help you, okay? But it is a blessing. That, that's part of God's blessed us, not just materialistically, but he's blessed us with talents and abilities. Well, he hadn't blessed Yeah, he has, okay? And I'm going to give you an insight. Most of us in this room, he didn't bless us to be on the praise and worship team. I'm sorry to deflate you, Okay? I've, I've asked for a praise and worship packet for two years, and they keep denying me. Let's pray before I really get in here, okay? Father God, we love you. We honor you, Lord. We, we thank you that, Lord, you, you give us power to get wealth. You, you've blessed us incredibly. And right now, Father God, we, we say thank you. And, Lord, I, I pray your word comes alive to every one of us in here tonight on these areas. Thank you. Ooh, just right there where you're at. Tell God, thank, thank you for being so good for me, Father God. Thank you. Thank you that I got a coat to wear. I got food in my belly. Thank you tonight, Father God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen. Well, turn with me to the book of Romans. This is where we ended last week. Romans chapter 1. 
And on these areas, we've been talking about idolatry, idols and stuff. And one of the ways that the idols show up is when I, I live with a lack of obedience to the word of God or I'm not grateful. And so what happens is we begin to, to worship our fallen nature's desires. Let me say that again. We begin to worship our fallen nature's desires, the things of this world. If you're a student of the Bible, that's, that's 1 John 2, 15, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. So when we begin to worship our fallen nature's desires, our moral compass has been compromised. And in that statement, what happens is we get off the path that God wants us to go on. And, and so God's desire always is that we look to him. We don't allow anything or anyone to take, our pla or take his place. So we start here, Romans 1, verse 22, and it says, the Apostle Paul writing here, professing or claiming to be wise, they became fools. They became insane. They became illiterate regarding life. And so sometimes with mankind, is we, we think we're so much smarter than God. We think we got everything figured out. And so professing to be wise, they became fools. Now look how they became fools. And they changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like the corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. So they exchanged the one and only God for, for images. That, that they desired, and so they, they turned their inward desire again, instead of honoring and obeying God, they start honoring and obeying things other than God. Now, if you go back to this, remember when Moses went up on the mountain to get the Ten Commandments from God, and he comes back down, and his brother Aaron had allowed the Israelites to make a golden calf. So instead of worshiping God, you know what they did? They gave their worship to an idol. And this is what's happening in this passage. Now, we can stand right here and we'd say, well, I, I would never worship a golden idol. There's still idols in our world. They just look differently. The idols of money, the idols of sports, the idols of entertainment, it's It's endless. And why I say those things, because those things try to get in our heart and they try to pull us away from the things of God. So this is what he's talking about, verse 24. Therefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness, now listen to this, in the lust of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves. And so what you begin to see here when he talks about this, that God gave them up as people or humanity, we continue to reject God. He gives them up to their increasingly immoral and self-destructive activities. So you know what this literally says right here? God says, if this is what you want, this is what you get. If that's how you want to do it. Now, it's not God's best, but if this is what you want, 
Verse 25, now listen real close. Who exchanged the truth of God. They exchanged the truth about God. Now let me ask you a question. What's truth? The Bible, the word of God. And they said, you know what? Let's exchange everything we know about God. Let's exchange the truth of the word of God for the lie. They lived a lie. And they worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who was blessed forevermore. Amen. So what you see right here is they traded the real, the true God for a fake, for a false, better yet, for a, a knockoff God is what they did here. And so what you begin to see in this passage is what begins to happen is what everything appears good is now evil, and what appears evil is, is now good in the eyes of mankind. And so what begins to happen is mankind begins to applaud sin. We begin to live in a way that's so displeasing to Father God. Verse 26. For this reason, God gave them up to vile passions. For even their women exchanged the natural use for what is against nature. And so what you begin to see here is a society that quit acknowledges in God. And, and we quit giving our thanks to God. We quit obeying God. And not only do we approve of sin, we applaud sin. And every bit of this is designed to dethrone Jesus and replace the Bible. Every bit of this is. So with what I read right here, let me ask you a question off of this. Who gets your worship? Who has your allegiance? And whoever gets my worship and whoever gets my allegiance, this has eternal consequences, okay? This is not just something I blow off. And so when I talk about who gets my worship, God doesn't just want my heart on Sunday mornings. God wants my heart every day. That I live for him every day to the best of my ability. And when I blow it, I repent. Now, to understand this a little bit more, turn with me back into the Old Testament, way back to the beginning, to Genesis chapter 22. Now, as we go to Genesis 22, the reason I want to highlight this is this is the first declared act in the Bible of worship, the first declared act of worship within the Bible, okay? And when you begin to read this, it will seem strange. Strange, strange, strange. Absent, uh, almost to the point of disturbing. Until we get an understanding of God's, God's heart in this, okay? So hang in here with me. This is going to teach you, man, something incredible tonight. Genesis 22, verse 1. Now, it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham. The New Living said he tested Abraham's faith. 
So when God tested Abraham's faith and he tests me and you's faith, his test is not to get us to trip and fall. His, his goal is not to watch us stumble, but his goal is when he tests us is to strengthen our faith and to deepen our capacity to obey him. Actually, when he, he strengthens my faith, it's to develop my character. So this is what's, what's going on here. And when he tests my faith, it's, it's also to reveal my heart and my, and my allegiance. So he tested Abraham and he said to Abraham, Abraham? And Abraham responded and said, here I am. Now, when you look at that, you think, here I am. Okay, okay. But what I want you to see in that passage right there, Abraham answered and responded immediately. See, I believe God, he, he speaks to every one of us, whether it's through an audible voice or the word of God. God will speak to you. But when God speaks to you, do you put him on hold? Do you send God's voice to voicemail? Or do I just hang up on him? See, we talk about Abraham. Abraham was the father of faith. There's a reason he was called that. And, and I believe this is, this is one of the first signs of that was here I am, here I am, verse two. Then he said, take now your son, your only son, Isaac. Now, when you see about Isaac, Isaac was Abraham and Sarah's unique miracle. Remember, they told Abraham, you're going to have a child when you're about 100, and Sarah's going to be in her 90s. And remember, Sarah laughed about it. You know, I, I tell you right now, it wouldn't be good if God told me, I'm going to give you a baby right now. Uh-uh. No, I'm, not, I'm out. But they had waited for this promised child, and they had waited. And so God says, and every bit of what you're seeing here becomes a picture of Father God and the Lord Jesus. So he said, take now your son, your only son, whom you love, and, and go to the land of Moriah. And if you study the land of Moriah, many times it will highlight the hills of Moriah. The hills of Moriah are in Jerusalem where Mount Zion is. Actually, the hills of Moriah are where the Lord Jesus would be crucified. So he said... Abe, take your son, your only son Isaac, to Moriah. Now listen to this. And offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. Now when I read that, I thought, I wonder if Abram had the thought, say what, God? You, you want me to do What? Again, we're talking about a, a test of his faith. Offer him there in a burnt offerings on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. Verse three. So Abraham rose early 
in the morning. Now, oftentimes we, we, we overread these or we don't even pay attention to little things like that. But he rose early in the morning. Delayed obedience is disobedience. And I believe the reason that Abraham rose early in the morning because he knows human nature that the longer I wait to obey God, the more easy it is for me to blow it off, to reason myself out of it, to rationalize myself out of it, to even justify myself out of it. Have you ever done that? Absolutely, I have. So he says here, he went early in the morning and he saddled his donkey and he took two of his young men with him and Isaac, his son, he split the wood for the burnt offering and he rose and he went to the place of which God had told him. Now, from where he was at to Mount Moriah was a 50-mile journey. Now, I want you to put yourself in his shoes here just for a little bit. With each mile that he went, he could see the hills of Moriah. And I believe it had to intensify mile after mile after mile. And the closer he got, the more I wonder if he's like, I don't, I don't know I can do this. Let me, let me highlight something with you for every one of us. To obey God is not always easy. Some of you may be in a battle right now. Let me just highlight it. To obey God is not always easy. And it's surely not always popular. If you think you're going to win the applause of certain, you're not. And sometimes I've found out to obey God is actually excruciating. It's a battle. But when I find myself obeying the word of God quickly and quietly, things begin to happen. To, to me, some of that for some of you might, might be prophetic right now, just to hear that. Doesn't mean it's gonna be easy, okay? Verse four, then on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and he saw the place afar. Now, Abraham hadn't told anybody about the orders. He hadn't told anybody. But again, the closer he gets, the drama builds. Verse five. So Abraham said to the young men, you stay here with the donkey. The lad and I will go yonder and worship and we will come back to you. Now, there's some credible nuggets in here, okay? We will go and worship. So now we're going to get a breakdown what the actual meaning of the word worship is. Because a lot of times when we hear of worship, we think, well, he's going to go up to the hills of Moriah and him and Isaac are going to sing Amazing Grace and then they're going to sing What a Friend We Have in Jesus. And then they're going to come back down. But that's not the true definition of obedience. 
Or worship, I mean. That's not the definition of worship. Worship is obedience. It's, it's unquestioned obedience to God. And if you'll notice in here, Abraham speaks prophetically. He says, we will come back. He tells them what's going to happen. So let's keep reading here just a little bit further. So Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering, laid it on Isaac, his son, and he took the fire in his hand and a knife. And two of them went together. But Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, my father, and said, here I am. The wood, I see the wood. But where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, my son, God will provide for himself the lamb. Not a lamb, but the lamb. And it's all in reference to Jesus is who this is pointing through. For a burnt offering, so the two of them together. Then they came to the place which God had told him, and Abraham built an altar there and placed the wood in order, and he bound Isaac and son, and he laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched out his hand, and he took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, and Abraham said, here I am. He's never stopped listening. And he said, do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything for him. For I know that you fear God. How? Since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. I, I know so when I look at this, the actual definition of worship would be to obey God quickly and completely. Now, you know what worship says? I'll obey you, Father God, no matter what. No matter what's going on in my life. And so when you read this, understand this completely. God wasn't after Abraham's son Isaac. God was after Abraham's heart. And that's what he does with every one of us. And so I must elevate God over my desires, but oftentimes we elevate our desires over God and we look to other things that we think will satisfy us, but only God will. Now, when I go back and I look at this guy named Father Abraham, the reason he was so blessed is because he obeyed God. Same chapter. Look with me in verse 15. I'm skipping a little bit for time's sake. Now, watch this. Then the angel of the Lord called Abraham a second time out of heaven. He said, by myself I have sworn, said the Lord, because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son, your only son. Blessing, I will bless you. Multiplying, I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heaven, as the sand which is the seashore, and your descendants shall possess the gate of their enemies. Now watch verse 18. And in your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. 
You looked to me to blessings. You didn't look to the things of the world to bless you. And so the confirmation of the covenant that was promised to Abraham was because of Abraham's obedience. And when I go back and I look at this, God doesn't want just pieces of my heart. God wants my heart, all of it. And we go back to, to Exodus 20 when God gives the Ten Commandments. And the very first one, he says, you shall have no other idols before you. And then he goes on to say, because God is a jealous God. He doesn't want to share us with the world. This is how much God loves us. And, and so when I read this right here, and it began to move me. And so every time I have a choice to obey God or honor God, when I obey God, you know what I'm saying? I'm obeying you, Father God, because I look to you as my source. I look to you as my peace. But oftentimes when we disobey God, one of the reasons we disobey God is because we're looking to other things or other people to, to do for us only what God can do. Now, turn with me to the book of James, way back in the New Testament, right after Hebrews. Right after Hebrews, James chapter 2. And the reason I want to take you here is this passage that we just read here in Genesis 22, it shows up here in James chapter 2, verse 21. James 2, 21. Was not Abraham our father justified? That word justified means found righteous, made acceptable, shown to be righteous. Watch this. By works. So when you see the word works there, by his obedience to do what God said. So he goes on to say, when he offered Isaac his son, on the altar. So what happens here, it was only by his obedience that he demonstrated the reality of righteousness. See, I, I can talk about Jesus, but it's another thing when I obey Jesus. See, sometimes we can, we can be big talker, Betty Crocker. We, we can talk the talk. But do I walk the walk? And, and sometimes I got to put a little walkie-walkie with my talkie-talkie. And God hears our words, but the thing that moves God isn't just what he hears, it's when we actually obey him. So verse 22 says, do you see that faith was working together with his, his works, and by works faith was made perfect. And so Abraham's faith was complete and re-reached, supreme impression, uh, extreme impression by his obedience. So as I begin to read this, the end of verse 21, he said, he was justified by works when he offered Isaac, his son, on the altar. Here's the thought that came. 
What do I offer God at the altar? Well, God, I'll, I'll tip you a little bit of money. I'll give you a little bit of praise. I'll, I'll, give, you, I'll give you a little bit of my time and my talents. But when Abraham offered Isaac at the altar, he said, Father God, I'm giving you my prized possession. I'm giving you my best. And I have to ask myself that, do I? Do I offer the Lord Jesus my best? And in every area of my life, and this is one of the things that begin to stick out to me because I, I say this a lot of times pertaining to sporting events. Maybe a concert you go to. Man, we will scream and yell for our teams. How many of you have ever been to a concert and you gave him a standing ovation? But yet, when it comes to our Heavenly Father, the Lord Jesus, we have a hard time giving Him our leftovers. And so again, I, I say this even in my own life to say, I, I don't want to give, I don't want to give Him my leftovers. I, I want to give Him my best. I want to say, Father God, I'm all in. And I can stand before you tonight and I can talk about being all in, but the proof of the pudding's in the eating. What's that mean? A little walkie-walkie with your talkie-talkie. So I'm gonna ask you to stand up right here where you're at. We got quiet in this Episcopalian church. See, I began to have to look in my own life. I, I had to pull out this filing cabinet of my own heart. And I have to ask myself this question. What do I give my worship to? TV? Social media? My job? Money? I mean, again, these are things that they pull at me. They pull at you. And I said, Father God, I don't want to do that. I've done those things. So I'm just going to ask you right there where just, just bow your head. This is between you and God. And if you're watching live stream, this is you too. And, you know, if you feel comfortable and you raise your hands to heaven, you're okay. Father God, we, we look to you right now. And Holy Spirit, I ask you to go to work in here that you would, you would identify idols in our life. Lord, that you would identify my heart tonight that, Lord, if I've just given you pieces of my heart. But Father God, right now as we, we come to an altar before you, Lord, I ask that you would deposit in us that we would give you our best. 
our best praise, our best worship, our best obedience. And Father God, right now, that if there's area of my life that I've, I've placed things or people above you, Lord, I, I repent. I repent. And you know, I'm gonna end here with this tonight, but That's, that's why this, this altar is such a blessed place to me right here. And so I'm going to dismiss, and I, I know some of you got children to get and stuff, but I, I don't mind if you come. Actually, I, I, I love the thought that if you came down here at the altar, and you know, sometimes I think we, we must be very visual where we would come to the altar, and you know, I'll use this as just an illustration that I come and say, Father God, I, I've been more passionate about the NFL. I, I've been more passionate about college basketball. I, I've been more passionate about Justin Bieber. I, I've been more passionate about the latest and greatest clothing now. I, I, I'm more passionate about uh, social media. But tonight, Father God, I, I lay it at the altar before you. Thank you once again for joining us on this podcast. To check out more services from Faith Church, you can find our live broadcast on YouTube or check out our website at faithchurchlubbock.com for more information on upcoming events, how to give, and how you can get involved.